Hi, my name's John Kasher and welcome to Cash Talk, where there'll be no boundaries and a lot of straight talk. All things money, business, and just everyday stuff. Hey guys, before we get started, just a quick reminder that all the information in this podcast is of a general nature and not tailored to your personal circumstances. So please seek personal financial advice before acting on this information. Welcome everyone to another Cash Talk episode and my name's John Kasher. Once again, I'm joined by Gianni Musumeci. Gianni, how are you, mate? Good, thank you, mate. Pleasure. Thank you for having me again. Nah, so as you know, mate, I love talking about property and a lot of people like hearing about property. So it's really good to have you on and um, always there's things going on in the property world and we're here to unpack a, a few of those. But today we're really going to be talking about selecting the perfect property essentially through demographics, okay? And it's a big part of obviously the selection process and I'd love to pick your brain and I'm sure viewers and listeners would love to pick your brain on these things. And maybe let's get started about, you know, the importance of demographics and like the analysis that goes into essentially choosing a property, Gianni. Yeah, so I feel that in the demographics is an important aspect of the property purchase process because um, it it's somewhat overlooked because a lot of people, they look at the performance of the actual area themselves and they assume that all property behave in that sort of manner according to the performance metrics like that sort of lagging indicators okay so um especially for capital growth and rental yield they sort of think oh okay well all property has performed and behaved in this manner without sort of considering the demographics and the demand um, by certain cohorts within within that area as well. So uh, it's important because it, it paints the other side of the picture of who wants property in this area and what the best fit property looks like in this area. Uh, and it's also important because it, it's overlooked as well. Mm, mm. It's, it's very, very interesting how people go to selecting properties, but um, demographics play such an important part. And what are some of those key demographic indicators that you kind of look at when you're helping clients to purchase properties and maybe, you know, tips for those that are looking for property purchases as well? Yeah, so some of the demographics that we really need to consider, um, look, one of the big ones is population growth, okay? So you want to ensure that the area has uh, good levels of population growth into the future because population growth actually drives demand. Um, and with population growth, you want to make sure that the the growth is at a rate that's sort of greater than the state or national average or state and national average rather so if a property has population growth but it's less than the average then that will actually reduce the demand uh, for property in that particular area because people are essentially going elsewhere more than they're going to this particular area um, some of the other things as well is employment status so you want to make sure that everybody's employed they earn an income um, and uh, they have an average income that is able to either meet the mortgage repayments or the rental income. So rule of thumb for me is a rental in, uh, rental repayments should be 40% of the average income because that mm -hmm. sort of means that you have plenty of capacity to, to cover your other living expenses. And then the household size and makeup, uh, and one that's probably not considered very much is the number of cars on average that uh, an average occupant 
will have. So a household size and makeup. So if you have a look at the demographics for a particular area, you might find that it's it's families with two or three children. Therefore, you'll be looking for a house with four or five, three, four or five bedrooms sort of thing. And then the same thing is typically an area you might see that they'll have one or two cars. Therefore, you're looking for property with one or two car spaces as well. And Gianni, I must say that when people are looking at property and they talk to me about it, they don't get into this much detail in regards to it. And it needs to be a data-driven decision that I've heard you drum onto me over and over and over and again. But the current the current scenario, there's is there particular like without either mentioning you know certain suburbs, is there particular areas that are experiencing you know a population growth that are you know growing? I, I did hear you put a post the other day, which was around. Um, the relaxing, I think, of Chinese students in Australia and that, that flooding of, of students that could potentially hit our shores, you know, that's going to mean a lot. And, and there's also going to mean that the demographics in certain areas are going to be pushed by this, isn't it? Yeah, so a, a few of the leading indicators, uh, especially in recent history, uh, is around the number of overseas students. So Australia, we've had a, our borders closed for the last sort of couple of years. So you're going to expect those overseas students to come back into the mix when you're looking at the demographics. So, you know, uh, you have to look at what student accommodation is available in the area or what uh, accommodation is available that students can afford because that might be a, a leading indicator as to where um, that demographic might go. And then the other bit is the uh, skilled migration, so skilled uh, visa holders as well. So um, we have a bit of a labour shortage here in Australia, so mm. we will be filling those jobs where they're most desired. So you have to look at the number of vacancies in a particular area for um, certain employment types. So if you see that certain employment types are um, looking for jobs in that area, um, then you, you can have a look at how much they pay. And then if the pay is, is decent enough, then you have to see what sort of properties they can afford. So there's some of the leading indicators around, you know, what to sort of expect in terms of demographic and, and what people are, are sought after in a particular area. Now, Gianni, we can say because we are, um, when the WOGs came over in the 50s and 60s, they kind of migrated to particular areas. Um, do you see that through migration that you've got to be particular on where these people are or where these demographics are kind of locating? Or is it pretty general? Because I know in Melbourne, it was all around like Collingwood and Carlton, and it was just all going to Collingwood and Carlton, and you speak to people. But it, this is the same when you speak to other cultures. You know, my one of my closest friends is an Afghani, and after the Afghan war, he kind of came back and there was a lot of Afghans around his particular areas. Is that the same that we're finding as well too now? And, and, and there's certain pockets that are growing in these areas? Yeah, so I've actually got a personal experience around this one. Um, there's a particular area in North Adelaide where I own a property and mm -hmm. the vacancy rate is so tight in that area because uh, there's a, a number of Southeast Asian migrants that uh, like to reside in this area. And I literally, in one example, I literally had one or two days vacancy rate where uh, one family handed over to another family of the same culture. And that was because there was such a great community in that area uh, from the Southeast Asian sort of uh, area. Um, so you can look at the demographics of those areas around cultures and see mm -hmm. what sort of culture is coming into that area as well. And I would also imagine when you're looking at demographics, there's certain areas within areas, as I would call them as well, too. And what I mean by that is that when we talk about like certain suburbs, there, there's, there's these cultures. It may not be cultures, but there might be a particular school that zones in a particular area and, you know, there's more affluent people there. And is that like how granular do you get when you're getting down this path? 
You, you can get pretty granular. It, it's it's hard because in some cases you get stuck in that analysis paralysis as well. Like, I mean, there's there's a data source that tells you what the most popular streets in a suburb are. Like that's getting pretty specific, like when you're looking at particular streets. But at the same time, you can sort of look at an area and just get a general idea. Okay, where's the public transport? Am I looking at property on a main road? How busy or noisy is it going to be? Um, there's there's other statistics like um, walkability that are coming into play now. So how um, how walkable is a suburb in terms of the footpaths and local shops and um, you know access to certain facilities? So uh, there's these sort of statistics that are that are not made up, but they've they've come about over the last sort of few years as well. Mm. And and I say this because the suburb that I grew in, which grew up in, which I have you know a lot of knowledge and I could probably could drive or I used to push bike back in the day nearly blindfolded around the streets knowing which streets is where but there's three main areas in this suburb okay and there's some areas that are much more desired than some other areas and that has actually shifted over time based on facilities and based on whatnot but I could tell you that in a particular area of the suburb that there's more affluent people that are that are there Okay, and yeah. there's, there's reasons why there, it is close to certain public transport, access to certain freeways, this, that, and the other. So, but there's a difference in the price, and it's kind of always been there for a long, long time. But for people that don't know, they might just look at the suburb, but then realize they're on the wrong side of the street. And, you know, this is often when I have discussions where it's like, oh, you know, that side of the street's worth more than this side of the street. And, you know, it's very hard for the, those people to know that. So, you know, it just goes to show in regards to data and, and obviously information, being able to use about, well, like you said before, this analysis paralysis as well, because it's around what are we trying to do, do, all this, do this for? We're we trying to select as close to the perfect property as possible to help with your goals and aspirations. And so when you talk about this, I think the other one is around, um, you know, why is it so important? Like why? And do you have any... Gianni, maybe just in your kit bag, it might be even personally or someone that you've worked with where this has kind of been very impactful to their decision. Yeah, look, I always give the example that, um, let's say, for example, you've selected an inner city suburb for whatever reason, you wouldn't go about buying a family dwelling in an inner city suburb because the demographic would sort of indicate that, you know, either mm -hmm. single or young married couples live in that area. Mm -hmm. They tend to live in units. They don't have, they either have, uh, no car or one car um, and they, they don't sort of need a house and then vice versa like you wouldn't go out and buy a, a, a unit in an outer city suburb where typically families of four or five people per family live so they're the, they're the sort of biggest indicators uh, they're the sort of biggest um, scenarios that I tend to give people as to you know what we're sort of looking for in terms of, of demographics that's the sort of general case study mm -hmm. that I provide people and, and and Gianni, it's kind of like if you've done this at like the, the extreme end, you know, if you've got a community where, you know, there's three or four children on average that this, these family, you know, the families have, you know, for you to then go buy a unit, you know, one bedroom unit, it's the supply is not meeting the demand from an economics perspective. And that's what we're also trying to talk about here. Yeah. Trying to make sure that the supply is meeting the demand. And if you can do the supply to meeting the demand, you're well on your well to well to are well on your way to getting the right property for your needs. And so is there any potential pitfalls or challenges that people need to be aware of um, when selecting a property? And we've obviously talked about a couple, but like, is there any that really scream out and you want the viewers and listeners to know? 
Yeah, look, there's there's some uh, there, there's some pitfalls in terms of demographics. Like the the first one we probably already mentioned, which is analysis paralysis. Like you can just look at data to the nth degree, and then it, it sort of prevents you from entering the market because you're getting mm-hmm. so many mixed messages. But the other one as well is around the data quality and trustworthiness of the data. Mm-hmm. Um, especially lately with sort of headlines and, um, you know, people may sort of read statistics and they put into captions and they may then not sort of uh, understand the trustworthiness of the data because they sort of think, oh, no, that's not what I sort of, not what I've seen on other websites as well. And then the data quality as well. So what you really need to do is you really need to look at what we call the operational definition of that piece of data so that you understand it fully. So, for example, uh, just to explain, maybe uh, the operational definition is how would I explain this measure in layman's terms so that it's understandable to everybody? Because different sets of statistics will have different definitions, even though they might be presenting very similar data. Mm, mm, And I can uh, there's all of this all over the place. You know, there's so much so much information then which one is right and we talk about this as well too it, it then causes issues when it comes to confirmation bias because there's so much information your brain is trying to search for the correct information and you're trying to make these decisions that are true so this is a very very good a very very important one and i think the other one as well too is um just around getting the right advice from the right people to cut through this okay and i think this is another one that when it comes to property there might be people that have done well with property, but I'm going to tell you that that might have been luck, yeah? And people, you know, go, or oh, that's the person who I'm going to listen to the most. So that's okay, yeah? But you've got to really study their decisions and, and, and how that's coming. And the other one as well too is I get as well too, Gianni, which is slightly off as well too, is, is around, oh, that suburb has done really well for the last three years, so I'm going to jump on it. Now, what's the pitfall on that one when it comes to data around performance? I've spoken many times about lagging indicators and and even from a, a financial planning standpoint yourself, like I'm sure that you drill, to, drill into your clients as well. Our past performance is not an indicator of future performance. So it, it's the same with everything. Uh, it could even be sports teams to, to yeah. take the analogy further. Um, yeah, so that's, that's probably a, a big one is you, un- you need to understand a person's sort of uh, decision process uh, when it comes to selecting the right investment. Um, because like you said, there, there have been plenty of people that I know have bought investment property that have either followed other people, um, have bought in a particular area because they followed other people, or mm. they've just randomly picked uh, any suburb in Sydney because you mm. know Sydney has had great capital growth or mm. Melbourne has had mm. great capital growth. And they haven't had a, like a decision process in place to sort of mm. um, select the most appropriate area and the most appropriate property in that area. So Gianni, when people come to you and they're like, they're wanting to select a property and we've talked about this in the past around capital growth orientated properties or income and obviously in line with their financial plan or whatnot, but when when they're asking for the data around that to make that decision, how how does that come about? Because obviously from an income perspective, that's pretty simple. It's like, these are all the two bedroom units. This is what they're getting. This is the range that we can go on to work with. And comparable speaking, this is where you're at. In regards to the value of that property, hopefully there's some comparable sales. You know, we can get some data and we can work out the value. But capital growth is very hard. Yeah. So 
how do you kind of work through that kind of data and does it is it a combination of kind of everything and you know yeah how do you work around that 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 question yeah so uh, around capital growth we we tend to look at the leading indicators that uh, provide indication of both supply and demand for property in the area. So if anyone's sort of seen a supply demand chart, they, they sort of, the supply and demand axis is they, they cross and they, they meet somewhere depending on um, how much supply there is in terms of the number of houses and then how much demand there is in terms of the number of people looking for houses. So there's a number of, of leading indicators um, that we can use the development applications for property. We can use total property listings on the, on the market. Uh, number of days on the market that a property spends. Um, and then th there's a new one that's come about over the last, or maybe not new, but it's come about over the last four or five years thanks to the internet and it's mm. online search interest. Okay, so online search interest is a good indication of how much demand there is for property as well. Uh, another good one is a discount rate as well. So uh, the discount rate is an indication of uh, what the eventual purchase price is in comparison to the list price. So the bigger the difference, the bigger the discount. Um, mm -hmm. And it tends to mean that, uh, you know, if you have a sort of trending downward discount rate over time, that popular, mm -hmm. uh, sorry, property in that area is becoming more popular and more in demand. So there's, there's a, there's sort of eight leading indicators that I tend to look at when I, when I judge a mm -hmm. suburb and yeah, understand uh, if it's sort of tips for capital growth or not. Yeah. Now, Gianni, in regards to that, thanks for sharing that because that's very good insights. And for people, it shows the, the impacts of the supply and demand on, on, on the decision making. But is there any is there any areas at the moment, and we're talking like in February 2023, is there any areas that are doing really, really well and some that are lagging behind? And, you know, we don't need to get specific, but even regions that are doing well and and what's the demographics around that and why is that happening? Yeah, so um, I'm actually looking at the moment in far north Queensland. So there's a few areas in far north Queensland that are doing relatively well. Um, and that's because of the value you, for money that you get, um, firstly. Mm -hmm. So generally, we're, we're looking at uh, houses on blocks of land anywhere between sort of six and eight hundred, uh, relatively new builds uh, between 10 and 15 years old. And um, just generally good value for money, uh, big houses, they sit on big blocks. So we're, we're looking at three, four and five bedrooms for a particular client at the moment. Um, and they rent out for a, a decent amount. We're, we're looking anywhere between five and a half and six percent. So that's and, and, that's sort of. Any sorry, is the demographics changing up there to make that happen? Like, is there a demand that's going on up there? Like, I just want to like for the viewers and listeners to understand, yeah. like, why is that actually happening? Yeah, so we looked at a couple of uh, economic indicators as well. There's a number of infrastructure projects that are going on in these particular areas that are creating jobs. Um, and with with the jobs mm -hmm. uh, comes demand for actual people. Uh, so when you sort of create job capacity, then that, that drives people towards there. In this particular area um, that we're looking at, there's a there's a population of about 36,000 and that's tipped to hit 50,000 mm -hmm. by the year 2035. Mm -hmm. um, so Comparatively, when we look at Queensland's population growth in respect to this particular area, uh, Queensland's average population growth is just over 1%, whereas this area is, is closer to 1.5, sort of 2% sort of thing. So there's more people migrating to this particular area that are forecasted than the average of Queensland altogether. Okay, wow, wow. And, and, for, and you can see that that's a demand thing. And, and I would imagine the supply is not meeting the demand in that regard. Yeah, so... Demand. 
Yeah, so on that, sorry, um, the, the number of development applications have actually reduced uh, in this particular area. So supply is a lot tighter. Uh, the vacancy rate is at all-time lows. We're looking at uh, 0 0.1, 0 0.2, 0.3%. So we're talking mm -hmm. one, two, three in every thousand rental properties are vacant. So uh, I, again, there's a real shortage of, of rental properties. That, that mm -hmm. will drive not only the rental yield up, but capital value as well. And, and, and on the other flip side is obviously Sydney and Melbourne have had a wonderful capital growth over the last few years, but that's obviously starting to really contract at the moment. And what's the demographics that are happening? Like, what's going on? Is it just like we've, we have heard about like people leaving the CBD, going more regional? Is it just that or is there more, more to it? Yeah, look, um, in, in recent uh, times, uh, borrowing capacity is a big one. Uh, so look, people are looking to purchase a home. They have uh, a, a lower borrowing capacity to choose from or lower purchase price amount to choose from. So they're having to look further afield. Uh, generally in, in Sydney, as an example, the most expensive suburbs are in the east and the north. So if you can't buy in those areas or you can't buy in the CBD, then you have to look either further uh, west or southwest or northwest sort of thing. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, rather than that, people are looking regionally as well because uh, especially over the last couple of years, since uh, the beginning of the pandemic, and even more recently, people are looking for that cheap tree change, that regional sort of exodus mm. um, that mm. has been in the headlines. And we've seen that in a number of the demographics as well, where uh, coastal and regional areas are, are really doing well. So I, uh, especially in Sydney, uh, from what I've seen, mm. a lot of people are migrating to either the central coast or south coast or mm -hmm. uh, Wollongong, which is sort of some of the, the coastal cities nearby. Mm. And similar in Melbourne, like the Geelong area, regional Geelong or the Mornington Peninsula is just getting absolutely smashed because they're wanting to get that that change. Yeah. Is this a fad, Gianni? Is it a fad? I don't, I don't think it's a fad. I think um, I think it's accelerated recently because of COVID and then even more so now because of the reduction in borrowing capacity. Uh, but I think that there's always been that tree change mentality because I, I remember speaking to mm buyers even before the pandemic, even before I started my own buyers agency, that people were like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to get out of the city sort of thing. So um, I want to start a family. I want to move further, further out. And um, even then, uh, it was accelerated by the introduction of uh, working from home prior to the pandemic. So people mm -hmm. were willing to commute an hour a couple of days mm -hmm. a week at that time. Mm -hmm. um, so they'd, they'd work at a hybrid model even before the pandemic. So yeah. And it's interesting to have this chat about the demographics because I think, I think you're right in that I think this is just a rolling effect and that it will potentially continue to go this way. And, you know, I'm working from home. You're working from home. All my staff are working from home. Um, you know, we do have an office that we go into here and there, but it's really just for meetings that we have to kind of do certain things with in front of clients legally. <clears throat> um, but our kids, you know, they're going to grow up in an environment where they're not going to go to a location for the rest of their life. And I think structurally, there's certain things that keep things grounded. One, schools and facilities. So we talk about schools, for example. It's a big one. It's like, oh, we're going to go to school, but we still want a holiday around the world, okay? Well, when I was in Stanford in 2017, they were talking about putting VR headsets on their students so that MBA students can do MBAs from anywhere around the world. Yeah. yeah. Now, obviously, Zoom happened. This was before the pandemic we're talking about. Now, Zoom's happened. They're able to do that. But 
eventually they want to get to VR. Yeah. So doesn't that mean that if you're in VR, you're essentially at school, doesn't matter where you are in the world. Now, for younger kids, there's an issue with, you know, networking and having friends and all of that stuff. I think that that might be the one that changes, yeah? And once that yeah. happens, it, it becomes more fluid. And I think the government also, from an infrastructure perspective, doesn't want cities really dense. They want them wide, yeah? Traffic congestion, pollution, the list goes on. So, you know, it's going to be very, very interesting to see the, the next 10 years, yeah? And, and, the, and from all facts and indicators the government's encouraging aren't they Gianni they're not discouraging it which is a big part about this as well the infrastructure yeah so uh in New South Wales Dominic Perrottet announced I think it was six months ago now that rather than one big city like Sydney um he wanted to create an environment of seven mini cities which, which are the surrounding sort of Wollongong South Coast Central Coast Newcastle um around New South Wales and develop the infrastructure around those as well so uh, that will change the demographic of things because as we look to expand further and those infrastructure, um, you know, pieces of infrastructure are built, that mm -hmm. could potentially also drive up capital growth in those areas as well because um, jobs are being created uh, and uh, like it, it'll provide new infrastructure for people to actually use in those areas as well. So you're not going to move out to the back of Burke and nobody's going to, mm -hmm no buses no trains no infrastructure no nothing you want to move to an area where there's something for you to see do work network like you said um yeah and just on the other the other thing i wanted to add as well uh, part of the that post that i, I posted the other day around the forty thousand um mm -hmm. odd chinese students returning to the company part of the reason for that is because the chinese government um actually doesn't allow uh university attendance via video conferencing because of the internet blocking because of the something to do with the internet anyway. So that's the, the main reason why. So it just goes to show around um, the reason behind these infrastructure points that actually drives the demographic that we're looking for in, in those particular areas. Yeah, and I think we're in a country that's easily sold to foreigners as well too. We are in a very uh, great country. So um, it's, it's going to be very interesting, like I said, what the next 10, 10 years looks like. Um, yeah. But Gianni, I'm going to wrap it up there. Um, it's been an absolutely great session and deep diving into the demographics and what that means. Um, and I look forward to having you on the next session, uh, which will be uh, not too far away, uh, ready and roaring for 2023, which is buckling up for an interesting year. Um, a lot of threats, a lot of opportunities for everyone, but we'll help you navigate through that. So thanks, Gianni. And thanks, everyone, for listening and watching. Thanks, all. Thank you, mate. Thanks. Thank you for listening to another episode of Cash Talk. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you want to learn more about me, jump onto my Instagram at, at thejohncasher and you'll find me there or at my website at www.johncasher.com.au. Thanks for listening. Cheers.